Brass. Brass. Comedy. Brass Talking about important stuff and hopefully making you laugh. And if you don't laugh, well, at least you learned about something important. If you don't care about that, well, that's on you. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Grasscast. I am your host, Chris Blackwood, and I am so, so excited for today's show. In this episode, we're going to be tackling immigration. To help us dig into this topic, we have got Josh from Ayuda. Josh is an immigrant rights attorney, a managing attorney located right here in Washington, D.C., We're also going to include some highlights from our recent comedy trivia night for which Ayuda was our beneficiary. And uh, also we will be digging into this topic of immigration on our own terms. Joining me today is my amazing co-host, Mr. Robert Mack, who can, I'm pretty sure, introduce himself. Robert? Thanks, Chris. Thanks for having me. And yes, I'm Robert Mack from robertmack.com. I'm also very excited about this episode because I live with an immigrant. And so this is an important topic to me because, to be honest, she likes to eat a lot, but she won't get a job. And she likes to visit all of the great museums in the area, but she won't get a driver's license. And she loves all the government perks that she has access to, but she won't pay taxes. And I think it's going to get even worse next year when she starts middle school. Back to you, Chris. Thanks, Robert. Wow. Sounds like um, sounds like a lot. Sounds like a lot uh, on your hands there with, with that immigrant in your hands. I, I assume uh, there are some additional pieces of information that you may be withheld from that description. Uh, what is your relationship to this immigrant? Uh, she is my daughter. She there it is. is. Yes. And, and she is an immigrant and immigration... Issues are important to to all of us going forward. So that's why, again, this is such an important topic for our family. Absolutely. Well, that's good to hear. It's good to hear it's relevant. It's it's important to me as well uh, as someone who was sort of an immigrant as a Peace Corps volunteer, a white privileged form of an immigrant. in, in Morocco for a while. And anyway, I've, I've surrounded myself by immigrants, uh, you know, being here in the DC area, it's, it's quite the melty pot. And um, yeah, it, it, it hits close to home with me as well. I don't know. I don't like, uh, I don't like leading with the fact that I'm Middle East, half Middle Eastern though, because people have asked me weird questions. Like I was at a show before this, before like all this happened. And a guy came up to me after my set and he was like, do you think Islam is compatible with this country and its institutions? And I was like, dude, like it's 1am. What's with the NPR questions right now? Right. (laughs) Um, But also like compatible with this country and it's like, I can't even say that about Adobe Flash Player, right? Like, it's... <laughs> and we came up with that in what 1996, right? Like, that's the one that we let onto all our devices. We let into our homes, no questions asked. Nobody says anything. Like, I don't know. Just it's weird, you know. It's weird that that wouldn't get an upgrade at least. Um, <laughs> I don't know. He was like, "Have you seen the ISIS videos though?" And I was like, "I would if I could download the fucking plugin, man." But I'm not gonna. <laughs> I'm not gonna restart my whole setup for that, you know. So for this segment, we are going to be covering some pretty dark things regarding U.S. immigration, of which there is plenty to pull from. And uh, 
being grassroots comedy DC, we try to find the silver linings, the positive aspects of things that might otherwise force us to take Xanax and cry. So these are a few things that I'm going to be saying. And Robert, what I'd like you to do is for each one of these, I would like you to do your best to find the positive. Turn it around. Turn that frown upside down for all of us. Do you think you can do that? I got you, sure. And is there like a stopwatch, a countdown? I, I have five seconds to find the silver lining. How does it ooh, work? Ooh, ooh, I like that. You just made this harder for yourself. I'm going to give you uh, 20 seconds. You're going to have a 20 second response. All right? Got Sound it. good? Okay. Sure, let's do this. All right, let's do this. So I'm actually going to get my stopwatch here. We're going to make this official. Stopwatch official. All right. So fact number one. I'm not going to hit the stopwatch until I finish reading the fact, all right? Okay. As the pandemic draws on, the number of hate crimes committed against Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders have been rapidly increasing. Okay, I'm going to start the stopwatch right now. Go. That, that's it? That's what I have to turn around? <laughs> okay, I can do this. Hate crimes against... Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders have been increasing, but that probably means that hate crimes against Muslims are decreasing. How much time do I have left? You have three seconds. The end. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was pretty good. I don't know if I necessarily agree with that logic, but uh, it was creative. And you met, you certainly met the time requirements. So that's, that's good. To be honest, that was my main thing is... <laughs> let's, let's make sure we, we squeeze in the time thing and then sure. possibly secondary thing to consider would be actually answering like the, a accuracy yeah yes accuracy. yeah at, at least so. get one check mark yeah no you, you you tick that box that's for sure the time box. Um, that was harder than i thought by the way yeah that is yeah yeah that was a hard one that was a hard one um uh, this is a hard segment to be honest we're not, not gonna make this easy but you can find the silver linings in hard things probably uh all right so here's the next one are you ready there's another one. Okay, sure. Yeah, okay. So this is actually an older headline. This is from last year during the Trump era um, to make things real real juicy and difficult. Um, Whatever happened so, to that guy? I have no idea, to be honest. I haven't heard his name around a lot um, No, but I have been lately. hearing about unemployed Florida man, and I think maybe that's him. That could be him. I think it's safe to assume that's, that's the guy. Um, okay, anyway... Are you ready for this? Yes. All right. Hands on buzzers. New public charge ruling targeting low-income immigrants takes effect. The new public charge regulations widen the scope of the public charge ground of inadmissibility, which primarily affects individuals applying for lawful permanent residence from within the United States. There's wow. no information, but I can... Keep going. I'll just say the new rule rules punish receipt, uh, receipt of important health, housing, and nutrition programs. Uh, and the new rules also direct immigration officers to consider several factors related to an immigrant's economic situation, education, and health in predicting whether an applicant is likely to use public benefits in the future. Okay, you have 20 seconds to find the positive side of that information. Are you ready? Well, I, yes, I'm always ready. Okay, perfect. Ready, go. Now? Oh, geez, I wasn't ready. Okay, yes. All right, 20 <laughs> seconds. Here we go. It sounds like, I'm trying to summarize this, I've, I've only heard it once, that some Trump-era law made it harder 
uh, for immigrants, low-income immigrants. I, if that's the gist of it, I would say that the silver lining is we have a new administration in office now, and I think they are slowly overturning a lot of these bad policies and are, are turning these frowns upside down and making it easier on immigrants now. Did I win? Did I get it? How much time? How much it's time pretty good. Okay, okay, you are at 38 seconds, 39. So definitely did not meet the time requirements. However, oh. however, I, it was a more logical answer than the other one, I would say. Uh, although I, I don't know if I would call that a silver lining, just that the, this rule, it's like a, not a silver lining of the fact it's just like a reason to uh, mitigate concern over it, maybe. But maybe we're just, this is just semantics at this point. Either way, um, it, it, was, it was a really, really good attempt, I think. Um, I would give a, you- A for effort. A for uh, effort. F yeah. for, for outcome. But, but sometimes, and in all seriousness, sometimes silver linings are hard to find and it takes, it takes some mm -hmm. digging and it takes, uh, it takes a little bit of persistence. But I think ultimately, end of the day, you can find at least one shred of something to, to give hope, especially these days. I couldn't agree more, Robert. Yeah, absolutely. Even if that thing is, is just another prescription to Xanax. Okay, and last silver lining challenge. Human trafficking. Immigrant Ooh. victims are afraid to report traffickers. The Washington, D.C. metropolitan area is one of the largest hubs of human trafficking in the United States, a result of a mix of characteristics unique to the region. Immigrants are particularly vulnerable to human trafficking and face unique obstacles in seeking legal assistance. Immigrants are often unwilling or unable to report their abusers due to fear of deportation, isolation by their traffickers, the inability to speak English, and unawareness of their rights and available services. So, Robert, I'm about to start the timer. Are you ready? I am ready, Chris. Please tell us what could possibly be a silver lining of human trafficking. Ready and go. Well, there are two silver linings that came to me. First is that this is the third one and the final one because these are really hard. So that's good news. The second thing is that the traffickers, we know traffic is bad, of course, but a lot of the traffickers are now using... Um, Teslas and other electric vehicles, which are better on the environment. And when the environment is better, situations are better in other countries, and so fewer people find the need to come to America. So kind of a win-win on that one. <laughs> That's pretty good. That was actually, I think, the closest to an actual silver lining um, that you've got so these far. These are so hard. These I are know. so hard. Immigration is a serious issue. I thought we could have some fun with it, but you're pointing out that that we have some really big topics to deal with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that is the takeaway here, Robert. That That is definitely my takeaway. And I, honestly, I'm impressed with your ability to even attempt find a silver lining of these. That's very- You said I had to, so impressive. I had to. I did say I have to. I'm impressed by your ability to listen to me when I say that. Um, uh, some people might just refuse. So anyway, thank you. Now to move forward and to help us dig into this topic of immigration a little further. As I mentioned up front, we have a special guest with us today. We have an interview with a Mr. Joshua Doherty who is the managing attorney for DC Immigration for IUDA. We are going to hear a little bit more about 
the legal side of immigration right here in the nation's capital. Today's episode is brought to you by Goya Food. Goya, so delicious and affordable, it's easy to look the other way. Ayuda is an amazing organization that provides legal, social, and language services to help low-income immigrants in our neighborhoods access justice and transform their lives. Since 1973, Ayuda has served more than 150,000 low-income immigrants throughout Washington, D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. For Ayuda clients and the immigrant communities that they serve, 2020 was marked by stress, insecurity, and instability as a result of the pandemic and four years of anti-immigration and harmful immigration policies. Many of their clients lost their jobs and incomes, faced homelessness, food insecurity, and increased risk of domestic violence. While the new administration provides new hope, the road to recovery is not going to be easy. The country continues to face a myriad of issues, obviously, from tackling COVID-19 to dismantling racial inequity and injustice. These communities need your help now more than ever before. To help us dig into this topic, we are joined by Ayuda's Josh Doherty. Josh is the managing attorney of Ayuda's DC immigration program, where he supervises a team of attorneys, Board of Immigration Appeals accredited representatives, paralegals, and legal assistants who assist immigrants in the greater D.C. area, seeking a variety of humanitarian and family-based immigration remedies. Hi, Josh. Welcome to the GrassCast. Thanks so much for joining us today. All right. Hi, Chris. Thanks so much for having me on. I'm wondering about Ayuda's role specifically in helping immigrants navigate their rights, especially during rapidly changing policies that we've seen over the last few years. Would you mind speaking to that a bit? Sure. So there's there's a few ways that we've really tried to be accessible to individuals. Uh, like you mentioned, there's been a lot of changes over the last few years, uh, and the changes are, are continuing to come. Um, I think that we do direct representation. So obviously, for folks who are our current clients, you know, we're continually in touch with with folks to give them updates on their case, updates to any changes that might affect their case or that might make them qualify for a new type of, of immigration status. Um, in addition, we do a number of outreach events and Know Your Rights presentations. We've been doing uh, consultation clinics through our pro bono program um, to make sure that it's, it's a very low barrier, free access to, to folks to be able to get an attorney to evaluate their case and, and talk with them on an individual level what kinds of, of uh, resources there might be to help them with their case. Um, we also try to make sure that you know we're we're available as much as we can for some ad hoc questions. I know our uh, our intake specialists are constantly getting phone calls from folks, and especially with with temporary protected status, which is uh, something that's been quite in flux over the last three years, and and is a type of status that affects tens of thousands of our our immigrant neighbors in this area. Uh, there's been a lot of changes. Uh, we try to make sure that our, our direct contact staffs or intake specialists are, are up to date with information so that when folks call, we can at least get them some really quick information. And again, as folks need more detailed, specific legal advice for their situations, we try to make sure that we're available either through in-house representation or through our immigration consultation clinics. Nice. That's a lot of support. That's great. Uh, I'm wondering, though, uh, 
Is this support that's provided to anyone who identifies as an immigrant? I mean, technically, I'm an immigrant if you go generations back. Uh, what types of clients does AIDA support? Sure. So the, the main threshold is income-based. So as a nonprofit, we serve folks whose household income is at 300% of the federal poverty guidelines or lower. Um, typically, the, the folks that we're representing are um, folks who are undocumented, undocumented or in some sort of temporary immigration status. So that might mean that they have uh, a, a short-term visa that could be that uh, again, they're undocumented and they're seeking some type of, of immigration status. What are the common forms of crime victimization that you see among your clientele? Sure. Um, we serve uh, a lot of survivors of domestic violence, uh, intimate partner violence, dating violence, um, we also work with uh, a number of child abuse survivors, um, especially in our immigration program, there is a particular type of visa for children who have been abused, abandoned, or neglected by, by one or both of their parents. And so uh, we represent um, immigrant children who have been subjected to that kind of abuse, abandonment, or neglect. Uh, we have a specialized program also that works with survivors of human trafficking. And so that's both labor trafficking and sex trafficking. Mm -hmm. um, and then uh, uh, we've, we've worked with, with also dozens of, of survivors of uh, you know, simple assaults, armed robberies, uh, other types of like hit and run offenses, things like that. Uh, but primarily, we, we work with a lot of survivors of domestic violence, intimate partner violence, um, and human trafficking. So without getting too technical, what would you say are some additional hurdles that immigrant survivors of crimes have faced recently? Sure. So there's, there's continually issues in terms of trusting the systems in which folks find themselves. Um, a lot of the clients that we work with have fled from situations where maybe uh, the, the legal justice systems in their home countries weren't as best set up, especially for dealing with things like domestic violence. Um, and that may have been a driver for them coming to the US in the first place. And so having trust in the systems around them here in the US to make sure that uh, they will be, they will will be and will feel protected as part of um, you know, their avenues towards seeking justice. Uh, so that, that's one sort of avenue. Um, we work closely with a number of, of local partners with local law enforcement and prosecuting agencies. Um, another avenue is, is fear that reporting a crime is going to end up in, in the victim, him or herself, being deported or targeted for immigration uh, enforcement. Mm -hmm. and that's, that's been a real concern the last few years, targeting at, at courthouses and things like that. Uh, we do our best to make sure that as soon as possible, we're pursuing any and all available immigration relief for clients so that if immigration enforcement does come into play, we've already got the ball rolling on, on trying to, to secure these folks' immigration status and trying to do everything we can to prevent you know, their being detained, 
getting put into deportation proceedings. Um, and if mm -hmm. they are put into to immigration court and immigration proceedings, representing those folks in those court hearings as well to make sure that they have uh, as, as strong an opportunity to present their case to stay in the U.S. as possible. Gotcha. So speaking of opportunity, with the new administration seeming to actually care about humanitarian immigration policy, does this mean that our problems with immigration are over? Uh, not by a long shot. Um, it's, uh, it, it's definitely been a breath of fresh air and, and psychologically a lifting of a, of a dark cloud, uh, but the laws are still the same. Uh, we're waiting on Congress to pass meaningful comprehensive immigration reform. We might be waiting a while, uh, we'll see. Uh, the, so the laws that we're dealing with are still the same. Um, the immigration courts still exist, right? And we're still having to, to you know, push cases through the immigration courts and cases take a long time. Some of the, the cases for crime victims that we're working on are going to be pending for upwards of 10 years. Asylum cases wow. are facing backlogs of six to seven years before folks are able to get a final hearing on their case. Um, and so things right now might feel and seem lighter, but who's to say that the tide isn't going to change again by the time these cases actually come up for adjudication. Sure. Uh, so what we need to be making sure that we're doing now is you know, getting cases for folks who qualify for immigration status filed and making sure that they're as strongly supported as possible now. Um, supporting, you know, the, the folks who need to hear from who's affected by the immigration cases. You know, as, mm -hmm. a, as a 501c3, we're not really involved, well, we're, we're not involved in, in lobbying um, or trying to influence legislation. Our client stories can be very powerful, though, to, to tell folks why it's important to care about something like the U visa, for instance why that's such an important tool, both for law enforcement, keeping our community safe, as well as an important tool for immigrant survivors of crime. Uh, Is there so, an example story you could tell us in like 30 seconds? <laughs> sure, uh, I'll, there's, um, so there's, there's uh, a, a client that I had, had worked with who had, uh, been a victim of a sexual assault, had reported it to uh, to the local police, um, and was was in immigration court. Was potentially going to to you know get deported, but we were able to file this U visa. And a U visa is a type of application for crime victims who have cooperated with law enforcement in the investigation of the case. Mm -hmm. um, now. We have no control over what a prosecutor decides to do with a case or not. Um, sometimes cases plea out before trial. Sometimes they get dropped because of insufficient other corroborating evidence. Um, mm -hmm. in, in this case, uh, I believe that the criminal case ended up not moving forward, but there was a, a civil protection order that this client received um, and because of the civil protection order, uh, this individual was able to stay in their home, was able to uh, get uh, sole custody of shared children 
with their abuser um, and was able to kind of you know, have a piece of paper that explains it's a crime to come within you know 100, 100 yards of me. Um, now, our, our, I didn't work on getting the civil protection order, but our, our domestic violence family law team did, and that's one of the ways that we that we work closely together. Um, now, this was this was many years ago, so so the case was pending for a while. We submitted their application to immigration. Our, our client worked on a really powerful, moving personal statement where she explained kind of. Uh, all the different harms that she had suffered and how she had cooperated with the police to report the crime and with the courts to, to get the civil protection order. Um, eventually immigration agreed that yes, our client qualified for a U visa. She was granted a, a four year work permit. And that was the first time she had had a work permit in the US after decades of living here. Wow. Um, that was also the first time she was able to get a social security number. Um, that was the first time she was able to get, you know, un until fairly recently, DC didn't have a good kind of driver's license options. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's other states where it's impossible if you're undocumented to get to get a state ID or a driver's license. Mm -hmm. um, but so she was able to get a, a fully real ID compliant, you know, state ID, um, able to get better, uh, better job opportunities with her work permit able to get more secure housing, you know, move out of the word of mouth type, uh, uh, you know, renting a room from someone else, but nothing's written down and it's not really an official address. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being able to move out of that situation, get more stable housing. Um, fast forward another couple of years and, and we filed her green card application. Uh, and then recently, uh, had that approved. So she's a green card holder now and mm. is on her pathway to becoming a US citizen. Uh, that's going to take, you know, at least five years um, unless the law mm. changes. So not in time for next for the next election, but maybe the one after that. Um, mm -hmm. Wow. We'll have, that's we'll impressive. Have one, more, one more voter. Have you all considered pitching any of these stories to Hollywood? <laughs> I mean, really, though, there, there might be an opportunity there. Just something to think about. Um, so uh, I'm gonna, uh, I know you were just talking about moving forward uh, and what's to come with this new administration, but if you don't mind, I'm gonna take us back a little bit to the administration. We're all still, well, me for, at least, uh, very much recovering from. Um, under what conditions would it be okay to put children in cages? And uh, here's a hint. This is a trick question. I'm going to go ahead and say the answer to that is never. Uh, ding, 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 ding. Nice. Well done. Do I, do well I win done, a Josh. trivia prize for that one? You win a special trivia prize, prize in the form of uh, dignity. D dignity and, um, you know, you can retain your credibility as a uh, <laughs> immigration attorney. Um, Excellent, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, take that. That's, that's an important one. Um, who or what exactly makes a policy so out of balance that it allows for kids to be put in cages? How, how does this happen? I mean, I think we've seen for years the, the dehumanizing of our immigrant 
community members um, that there's you know falsely blaming it, our immigrant community members for crimes when uh, you know on as a statistical kind of demonstration non-U.S. citizens are less likely to commit crimes than natural-born U.S. citizens. Like that, that's mm -hmm. just a data-driven fact. So if you want safer communities based on past statistics, you would want more immigrants because immigrants are less likely to be committing crimes. So there's, there's been demonization of, of this community for, for years. Uh, there's othering. There's racism involved. There's... Mm -hmm. Um, you know, f false concerns about stealing jobs. I mean, a, another kind of data-driven point is immigrants contribute to the economy. They contribute jobs. Mm -hmm. Net immigrants create extra jobs. They don't steal jobs. Like, that's just a, a false narrative. And so we've had this false narrative, this racist narrative pervading for, for years that I think has driven... Uh, a lot of those kinds of policies. And it's, it's really down to, I, I think, dehumanizing of, of this really important and really uh, key community that, that makes up you know, part of the American dream and part of the American historical narrative is you know, sure. immigrants. Like, we are a country sure. of immigrants. We're a country founded by immigrants. Mm -hmm. And trying to kind of get away from that is, is really um, to the detriment of, of, of all of us. Absolutely. It seems like kids in cages just seems like the natural progression of that narrative. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, here's a, here's another, um, let's just call it a, uh, a quiz, quiz question slash prompt. Can you say one nice thing about Trump era immigration policy? Um, you know what I can uh, and this is because there is a, uh, a meeting that I've got coming up. Um, Trump did pass something called the LRIF, which is the Liberian Refugee and Immigrant Fairness Act, which was a very targeted immigration law that created a pathway to permanent residence for Liberians who are in the US. So that, that was a good, a good piece of, of legislation. There should have been more. Um, okay, that well I, done. We'll, there is there is that. Uh, other than that, I can't think of, of anything. <laughs> Fr frankly, I'm impressed that you were able to come up with one. I, I thought that was going to be a <laughs> Sarah Palin gotcha question. Um, okay, so now, Josh, we're going to uh, jump into a segment. Uh, this is an extension of this interview. We call this one point counterpoint. So in this segment, points are made to counter the issue at hand. So in this case, to counter the support of immigration in this country um, and immigration policy reform. And uh, I challenge you with responding to these points with counterpoints. So basically imagine that it's Thanksgiving that COVID is over and that you're at the table, unfortunately sitting next to your drunk uncle who is very opinionated and loud and uh, is making these, these statements. What is your response 
uh, if you could limit your response to 30 seconds or more or less rather for each one of these, <laughs> uh, that would be ideal. Are you ready? Ready to play? I'll do my best. All right, here we go. They're rapists and murderers. Even the president said so. That's just the not true. And immigrants are people. They are human beings. Every human being is deserving of, of respect. And that narrative is just false. It has no bearing in reality. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> Next point. They're taking our jobs. I'm on the side of the American worker, and whoever isn't is unpatriotic. The unemployment rate is very high, and as more immigrants become documented, the more they will compete for jobs with patriots like me. Immigrants create jobs in the communities that they live in. Uh, immigrants add to vibrant economies, uh, start up small businesses that we know are the bedrock of our economies, and they work in a diverse number of sectors. They're not stealing jobs, they're creating jobs. Touche. Well, how about this? Immigrants abuse the welfare state. Most immigrants in this country don't qualify for benefits and so can't be abusing the welfare state because they don't qualify for what you're saying that they're taking. I did not know that. Well, how about this? Josh, immigrants increase the budget deficit and the government debt. Did you know that? Uh, I didn't, probably because it's not true. Uh, <laughs> immigrants pay billions and billions of dollars in taxes, both through local things like sales and property taxes, as well as federal income tax, paying into Social Security. And for a number of, number of immigrants, they've been paying into Social Security for years and will never see one dime of that. Hmm. Sounds like you're prepared here, Josh. Well, how about this? Immigrants are a greater risk today because of terrorism, especially the Arabs. Huh? You can't deny that, can you? Uh, I think we saw January 6th. The biggest threat domestically is domestic homegrown terrorism. <sighs> That's a pretty good point there, Josh. Oh, geez. Um, okay, well, how about this? How about this? Immigrants bring with them their bad cultures, ideas, or other factors that will undermine our institutions. We don't want that to happen, do we? Immigrants contribute to the beautiful melting pot and wonderful uh, diversity in our country that has made us such a powerful and strong country. I, for one, love being able to go to all kinds of fantastic restaurants, getting to try different foods, getting to try and hear different music, different experiences, uh, and being able to do so within, you know, 20 blocks of where I live is a huge benefit. <sighs> I always knew you were a hippie, Josh. Jeez, this is why we limit, this is why we limit these interactions <laughs> at Thanksgiving. Um, okay. All right. And scene. Uh, well done. Well done. That was, that, that was impressive. Um, it's as if you have been asked those questions or given those <laughs> points before. Uh, okay. So 
I have just one final question for you. What is one thing that our listeners can do to help with Ayuda's mission? Um, so I think supporting uh, Ayuda, kind of making sure that we're able to continue to be there to support our clients. Um, it's it's funding is always an issue for nonprofits, uh, and making sure that we're able to continue to be there. Like I mentioned earlier on, some of these cases are dragging on for years and years and years, and it's it would be really tragic for our, for our clients for you know, when their day comes to present their case in court, if their attorney is no longer available to represent them. Um, so I think, I think just supporting IUDA, supporting uh, our immigrant community members, uh, and making sure that, you know, we have a, a welcoming and supportive environment for folks. Sorry, that was nice. a few different asks of your listeners. I'm kind of needy. <laughs> can, for those uh, listeners out there who are ADD and can only retain one thing at once, what would you say that one thing is? I think supporting Ayuda so that we can continue to do our work. There you go. Nice. And how can they do that? Uh, so they can visit our website, ayuda.com, A-Y-U-D-A.com. Uh, we've got all kinds of additional information about our programs and services, uh, about our emergency client funds, where um, money goes directly to, to clients to help pay for emergency expenses. That's been tremendously important during COVID when a number of our clients face job losses, sickness, un you know, unemployment, like a lot of folks in the area. Um, but we do know that a lot of our clients work in industries that are particularly affected by, you know, by the COVID-19 crisis, a lot work in the restaurant injury industry, in the hospitality industry, uh, in cleaning, and a lot, lot of those industries have just been decimated, um, as you, know, mm -hmm. you guys and, and, your, and your listeners know. Absolutely. Yep. That's why we are doing this remotely as well. Um, so uh, go to the website, ayuda.org, is it? Ayuda.com. Dot com, rather. Sorry. Ayuda.com and donate today. Josh, thank you so much for being with us today. Really appreciate it. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. Now, this is fun. So I was born in Lebanon. Give it up for hummus. I don't know. Woo! Whatever. <laughs> yeah. People always say, hey, Mahir, who makes the best hummus? What country? And my answer is always the same, and that's Costco. They have the best hummus. <laughs> <laughs> So I, uh, my wife, uh, she's upstairs. I've been married twice. I'm not that Middle Eastern. I don't mean at the same time. <laughs> All right. So moving on to our next segment, Ask an Immigrant. So uh, for this episode, we have decided to consult a real life, actual immigrant uh, to this great nation to hear about his personal experience regarding some burning questions that I believe we all have. Uh, so, uh, Robert, are you ready? You ready to speak to an actual immigrant? I'm ready to go. I've been speaking to immigrants all day, but, but I'm, I'm looking forward to this particular immigrant. Let's do it. Fantastic. Me too. Okay. So this particular immigrant turns out he has a name. Uh, his name is Israel Harney. Also turns out he is conveniently my tenant and lives in my basement. Um, uh, so Israel, would you like to introduce yourself any further? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for having me. Um, I definitely forgot to mention that I'm just like a son of an immigrant. Um, I was born here, but I, that should still count, right? I, I'll still get the. Discount. Yeah, count it, count it. 
All right, and that still counts towards the rent discount for the interview. Uh, we can talk about that offline. Um, okay. You seem to be breaking up on me a little bit here. No, yeah, sorry. yeah, yeah. I, I actually couldn't. I, I didn't catch that. Uh, but that's okay. Uh, so, okay. Uh, you also grew up in a different place. Is that right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I grew up in the Caribbean. Okay, there it is. Uh, and uh, how much time did you spend there? Oh, like twenty years, twenty plus years. Nice, nice. Okay, so you were born in this country, but you grew up in a different country and did not come back here until you were around twenty years old. Yeah, is that right? All yep. right. Well, there you go. That. That sounds pretty immigranty to me. Um, okay, so we're gonna ask you a few questions. Again, these are burning questions that I, I'm assuming everyone has about immigration. And uh, again, please feel freely, speak freely about your own experience, okay? Sure, sure. Um, first question, what do you do with all of your free time assuming that you don't work and are living off of welfare? Oh man, uh, is that like winning the lottery? I, I guess that's similar to the stimulus check thing right now. Uh, so what am I doing now? Um, I, I just watch the news most times and YouTube. So, so yeah, probably that. Okay. All right. Probably that. Nice. Do, do you, do you actually have a job though? Is that what I'm? I, well, yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I work. Yeah. You do work. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Um, I, I guess you, could you, you find I'm a sorry. way to pay rent? Could you, could you fill out what, what you do exactly? Let us, let us know. Uh, sure. Well, I guess by the bounds of what I do, I'm allowed to say, I guess. Uh, but I work for the government. Um, yeah. And that's, I guess that's the list. That's as far as I'm allowed to say. <laughs> so the government hired you as a son of an immigrant? Yeah. Yeah. They pretty much hired me. Nice. They made me in charge of like a lot of America's budget. Wow. For one area. They just went ahead and they just trusted you with that. They were like, okay, yes, that's fine. Yeah. They're like, if anyone else knows how to work hard, it would be an immigrant. So. Okay. Manage this I guess for us. That logical check checks out. All right. Interesting um, theory. Interesting theory. Uh, Robert, do you have any questions? Sure, I've got a couple. Um, Israel, um, are all immigrants named after foreign countries like you? Well, mostly the ones that we were colonialized by or colonized by, I guess. But uh, no, we just follow the common um, uh, biblical names. Uh, again, they taught Christian or Christian Christianity to a lot of. Uh, the immigrant people, I guess. It makes it easier for transitioning back into American culture. Interesting. S similar answers I got from other immigrants, Jordan and Chad. Mm. Um, and also Molly. I asked Molly and she said the same thing. Uh, here's a, another question. Um, well, first of all, welcome to our lands. I should have mentioned that earlier. Welcome to our lands. Yeah, and um, what foods do you eat and why do they smell like that? Well, uh, we, we often get this question. Um, it's called seasoning. Uh, most times, we, seasoning. I guess I'm, yeah, introducing this to American, especially, you know, the white culture. I, I don't want to, but anyway, seasoning is actually what we call it. See, I'm writing this down. S-E-A-S. So it's like salt, pepper, you know, herbs. But just the theme is seasoning and it's like season, winter, and then ing. Okay. So is it like it's, like it's like very similar to a, a word in our language? So I will look that up. Mm -hmm. So it's like when you put raisins in potato salad, like that, or 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 or, or like not that, but yeah. Oh. Okay. Is, so is is it like like ketchup on oh, French fries oh, on freedom fries? I think that's actually uh, yeah exactly. 
There you go. You got it. Okay. All right. Cool. Thank you. Yeah, I know all about this stuff. Immigration stuff. All right. Here's a question, Israel. What is the best way to steal a job from white people? Oh, man. Uh, I guess this reminds me of something my, my grandfather used to say. Uh, just just work hard. And uh, eventually, you, you just get a job. Americans are lazy. And they always want to pay someone else to do the job for them. So that was sort of the theme of my whole, I guess, work life. Nice. So that yeah. checks out from your experience. Yeah, I think that, that just works. Good advice. All right. Do you have any more questions, Robert? No, though, I'm I'm happy with these. I'm still I'm trying to find this thing about seasoning. I've seen a couple of things. I've I've looked up in the last minute or two, and uh, it looks like something crazy. But I might I might want to try it. Yeah, on yeah. some of my yeah. foods. I, I recommend it. I recommend it. Yeah. I, let's just say, chicken should have a tan. Um, but at least that's how we feel. Mm-hmm. Sure. Sure, that makes sense. Here's here's one last question. Um, how do you distinguish a caravan of illegal immigrants from a caravan of immigrants just going to play soccer? So that one might actually be outside of my, um, my I guess, realm due to the, like, I flew in. But uh, uh, chances are, and this, this is not from me, this is from what I've heard, so, you know, don't quote me on this. But uh, from what I've heard, most times, if it supersedes four people, then, uh, you know, you fill in, fill in the blanks after that. At least that's what the cops say. Okay. All right. I, I do have a, a follow-up question or an FU question, if we may call it that. So you're mm-hmm. saying that in your experience, you did not drive into our country from the Caribbean. It did not, not unfortunately. Well, I guess we drove through the air. Does that, mm. does that work? I, interesting how you frame things, but thank you, <laughs> Israel. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, excuse me. <laughs> Thank you very much, Israel. I have certainly learned a lot. Uh, and I hope our listeners have as well. And uh, yeah, thanks for all your hard work as an immigrant and hard work as my tenant. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, man. So we talked about being Ethiopian. Um, I thought of doing 23andMe, you know, to see, but I don't know. Like my friend said she did it. And she was telling me, she's like, you know, it's hard to believe that you just spit into a tube and something tells you you're like 10% Hungarian. And I was like, yeah, dude, that's hard to believe. That's probably made up. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'd like to work for 23. I'd like to just throw a dart at a map and give someone an identity crisis. I mean, that sounds like pretty fun to me. So I think if they're hiring, um, please let me know. Yeah, I think if they're a Trump supporter, I'm going to say you're 50% Jewish, 50% African. Um, and then... <laughs> Since I know that critical thinking isn't like they're saying, I'm going to be like, you're also 76% transgender Mexican. And just see what happens from there. We got to get it going. You know, it changes. That's our show, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks to my co-host, Robert Mack from robertmack.com, Josh from Ayuda, Israel from my basement, and a special thanks to our brand new audio engineer, Steve, who really should receive a medal for his patience with working through our technological learning curve. Today's episode featured clips from stand-up comedians, including Denise Taylor, Meher Mata, and Grassroots Comedy DC's very own Dana Flavin. We send a big thank you to them as well. Be sure to catch our next show on May 6th. It's the second rendition of our new comedy game show, Punning Games, and it's a Mother's Day special you're not going to want to miss. Tickets are on our website at grassrootscomedy.com. And check us out on social media 
on Facebook, that's Grassroots Comedy DC, Twitter, at Grassroots Funny, and Instagram, Grassroots Comedy DC. Until next time, this has been the GrassCast, a Grassroots Comedy DC production.